I hope that this podcast immortalizes us as buffoons. I'm Eli. And I'm Ian. And this is... Conspiracy Crashers. Yay. Jack the Ripper. Ghastly murder in the East End. Dreadful mutilation of a woman. And I just really like the phrase, like, ghastly and dreadful. Like, it's so proper. Like, they're like, this woman was chopped up. Let's be proper. And it's just dreadful. Like, you know, I, I, I genuinely think back in the day, they just were better at writing headlines. I mean, probably because I would have been like, bitch, this is fucked up. This girl got cut up. Like, let's go. <laughs> they really put the knife in and twisted it. Pun intended. Woman found chopped. <laughs> That would be the whole headline. Really, though? So, real quick overview before we go into, like, intense detail. Whitechapel, London. 1888. The East End. That's our setting. Think, like, Red Light District. Yeah. So, like, not necessarily the safest, not necessarily the classiest, like, given Red Light District's much safer now because it's legal. But, yeah. So... Between August and November of 1888, it's pretty fast. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with the murderer of five, I put prostitutes, that is a typo. Prostitutes? Five prostitutes. The children are getting into the business younger and younger every day. Oh, no. God. Prostitutes. Five prostitutes started being killed. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of early, lots of the early murders happened at a relatively quick pace relative to later on in the killings. Yeah, and it's honestly probably the most famous case of unsolved cases in England. Yeah. I would say in England. In the U.S., I feel like the most famous unsolved is Zodiac. <sighs> No, I, I actually think it's harder to say whether or not Zodiac is the most famous U.S. Um, I mean, Golden State was, but he's been caught, so that's solved now. That's true. I'm talking. I'm talking only cold cases. Then yeah, maybe maybe Zodiac is. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't. I mean I would say it's a lot more certain. Jack the Ripper, though. Oh, Jack yeah. the Ripper definitely number one. between 1888 and 1892 there were like dozens of murders that really mimicked the initial five but there's because of the way the case was handled because of the time that it happened and because of mishandling evidence a lack of evidence being 1888 um we only have the five canonical that we know and like definitely attribute to Jack. All of these, we're not going to talk about all the dozens after, but the canonical five, and I honestly don't know about the other two that happened before it, um, took place within a mile of each other. So his working radius really wasn't that far. Interesting. Like it seems like his stomping ground was like one street almost. Mm. So I feel like word should have been passed around faster than it was Hmm. no i mean i guess it depends on uh, we don't necessarily we don't know for certain how how he wound up getting all the bodies there well i mean theoretically a lot of those houses on that area 
were brothels. Yeah. So there would have been women in and out going to find people, bringing people home, bringing, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like it would be busy enough that he could stalk that area. Um, it is a little weird, I feel like, yeah. to have such a tight distance. It's a little odd. Um, in all of the newspaper clippings I found, they were marked as sadistic butchery and sociopathic beyond belief, which I feel like, in a nutshell, describes the murders exactly. Um, because, I mean, he didn't just, like, kill them. Like, it wasn't just, like, you're dead now, like most murderers. It was, like, real, like, we're gonna mutilate you and humiliate you in your final moments because fuck you, because you're a prostitute. Yep. And, I mean, I do think, unfortunately, a lot of it does fall down to the fact that their line of work, which is shitty. You have to wonder what the kind of, like, what the psychology is of a killer who's, like, essentially punishing prostitutes for being prostitutes by completely eviscerating them. As, like, I wonder what the morals there are supposed to be. Well, we'll discuss that a little bit when we get into suspects, because I actually found something really interesting that I did not know before. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and like, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on this case, because I've read about it before. But, so I was really excited to find new information. Um, but let's start with, that was just my overview of the timeline but here's some of the history, as well as the two clues left behind, just to make people kind of think a little bit before I get into the individual killings and then the letters. Beginning in 1888, we have the five corpses that were found mutilated. They were all between the ages of 39 and 47, and their bodies were always mutilated in a manner that indicated um, a pretty large knowledge of anatomy. Um, just because of the way intestines were removed and everything. But the intestines that were removed weren't mutilated themselves. So it suggested that he knew where to cut to remove what he wanted, which quite often was a uterus. Mm -hmm. Um, Every single victim's throat was slashed, and all but one victim were um, soliciting customers right before they got killed, meaning it's very possible that they thought he was a customer and were taking him home. Every single one of the women were estranged from their families, which again, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And every single murder took place on a weekend or a holiday between midnight and 6 a.m. But think about when they were gonna be out and around, it makes sense. It does. Now, here's our clues and the first um, big mishandling of the case. So every victim had been disemboweled um, with removal of the kidneys and the uterus. Every single victim, except for one on the double event. Um, And we'll get into why with that later. There's only one solid piece of evidence and it was a cloth that they found smeared with blood that is assumed to have been from him cleaning off his hands or his knife. Now, they investigated the like cloth and tried to match it, and it ended up being victim Catherine Eddowes. Um, It was a piece of her apron. So that was the only physical evidence of the entire case. However, after that murder, um, well, first of all, 
with that evidence, they were able to figure out that he was most likely going back to the East End. Like he was finished, he cleaned it off and was leaving. That is the most, that's really all they had to go off of though. However, and this was one of the new things that I found extremely interesting just because I didn't know it. I accidentally got rid of something that I didn't want to. Um, So above the murder where they found the cloth, there was actually a piece of graffiti that um, was written in what was assumed to be chalk. And it read, the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Which, what the hell does that mean? Like, now, Jews was spelled J-U-W-E-S. So then again, back in the day, literacy was much worse. Yes, and there's a lot of debate about that, where it's really split over if that's what it meant or it meant or did it mean something else entirely and that's i put i shifted that into theories okay because it gets into like it could have been attributed to this or this group so um but there is a lot of divide over what it did mean and why it was there and so like a lot of people think it was most likely just anti-semitic graffiti yeah because think of the time like And I kind of agree that that's the most likely. Yeah. But who am I to say? I was not alive as far as I know. I'm an alien, so. Well, in some of my research, it looked like uh, in the early course of the investigation, there was, like, the police actually believed uh, that there was, uh, or I guess I, I shouldn't say necessarily they actually believed it, but they pursued lots of investigations into Jew- Jewish suspects they did. due to yeah. anti-Semitism in the first place. So it's possible, uh, depending on how public that knowledge was at the time, Jack the Ripper might not, might have just referenced that to continue to throw them off the chase. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually the other belief, is that he wrote that knowing that they were profiling Middle Easterners primarily. Yeah. And by doing that, he would throw them off again. Um, However, the police also were thinking for once, probably the only time in this case, because things were never roped off. They never like, like people were walking all over the case. It was ruined from the They destroyed their own crime scenes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But they requested a photo of of that evidence. However, a man named Charles Warren was really concerned that if they left it up, it would upset too many, that tensions were already so high that they called the photographer and while they were waiting for him, he removed the entire message after they told him not to. Because they were like, let's take the damn picture, then we'll get rid of the evidence. I think he's the imposter. Right? So when asked why he destroyed it, he said, I do not hesitate myself to say that if that writing had been left there, um, there would have been an onslaught upon the Jews. Property would have been wrecked and lives would probably have been lost. And I was much gratified with the promptitude with which um, I was prepared to act in the matter. So basically this cocky bitch is like, I saved everyone. Even if that was true, why couldn't you have at least taken the photo first? Waited the five minutes for the photographer to come. Yeah, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. I just, I mean, I don't know what else I would be able to do. Do you? No, I don't. Pretty sure the only option is to get rid of one of the only two pieces of evidence we have. So that's now known as the Galston Street Graffiti. And as I said, it's been a debate. 
ever since as to what it actually was. Um, but the one thing everyone can agree on with this was that Charles Warren's actions were super incompetent and is proof of how mishandled the case was. Well, at least he's been immortalized as a buffoon. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the shit we're started with. Um, so I guess we get into the canonicals. Now the two you have, do you have just two or? Um, the actual, the actual like total number I think is 11. Uh, so six beyond the canonical five. Okay. Are any of them before the canonical five started? There are two before All the right. canonical five. I'm going to let you hit those because you said you had the other ones at least briefly. Yeah, yeah. So just a basic overview. The re- they were in the police uh, case file for the Whitechapel murders, as they were called. And I basically can just read off what they have because it's brief enough I didn't really need to make notes for myself. But um, so the, there was the first canonical murder uh, occurred on August 31st of 1888. Yeah. Um, the earliest uh, Whitechapel murder victim was Emma Smith, uh, also in the early hours, like you mentioned. Um, it was in, it, so it was a, I think it was around um, 2 a.m., but I, 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 you can't quote me on that. Um, but she was murdered on, uh, in like, you know, late night, early morning of April 3rd, 1888. Um, so like four months before. Yeah. She was not found dead. She died in the hospital. Okay. Um, uh, she c- told her doctor while she was being treated that she was attacked by a local gang. Okay. So that's And not- that's that. That's really all there is to it. Um, she did suffer some pretty severe injuries. I don't believe she actually was missing any organs at the time, but yeah, that's, that's the first murder in the case file is Mary Nichols was not found dead. She died in hospital after having been brutally attacked by a local gang. So to her. I just want to know why it's even attributed. And I know you probably don't have this answer, but I want to know why it's attributed to Jack. Uh, I believe it happened in the same area, and because it happened prior to, um, the, prior to the, uh, other Jack the Ripper murders, uh, they thought maybe it was like a... A practice run? A practice run that didn't quite work out. But then why would she say it was a gang? Well, that's the thing, is according to her own testimony, uh, she was attacked by a gang, a local gang. However, to be fair, that lead never that that lead never followed up into anything. Mm-hmm. Like the police weren't able to find any evidence of a gang taking claim for Emma Smith's murder. There was no, and there was no, you know, there wasn't even evidence of like actual connection to any gangs that Emma Smith would have wound up getting penalized for by anyone. So, <laughs> penal on the on. <laughs> So on the one hand, she claimed she was attacked by a local gang, but there's no real evidence of that aside from her testimony. So because so it's, 
it's not it's it isn't like the other Jack the Ripper cases. It's just that because it happened where Jack the Ripper killed at a time when Jack the Ripper killed, like at, 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 like in an hour time frame that Jack Jack the Ripper killed, and because they can't attribute it to anyone else, they put it in the case file as undetermined could be Jack the Ripper. Okay. Most people are fairly convinced that she wasn't. Yeah. Jack the Ripper. I know where I'm standing too, and that's why I was asking. Like, to, like, honestly, the fact that she wasn't dead in the first place. Right, because uh, Marianne me, like not Jack. was almost decapitated, wasn't she? One of them was, I think, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think she would have been dead if it really were Jack the Ripper, but it, it's in the case file just because, you know. The next one was, it was only just, uh, it was literally just a month, not even a month, a couple weeks uh, prior to the first canonical murder was Martha Tavram, mm-hmm. uh, August 7th. Um, found in a place called George Yard, apparently. Okay. Which, which uh, led uh, off of Whitechapel High Street. Okay, okay. And she did suffer. She had some very sim- she had some similarities to Jack the Ripper's uh murders. Uh she had 39 stab wounds to her throat, chest and abdomen. Cute. Um the problem was she did not have her throat cut and was not disemboweled. Well, and they were stabs. They weren't slices. They were stabs and not slices, exactly. So, the so while the violent nature of the killing was very similar to Jack, uh, it it didn't quite fit the rest of his MO. Yeah. Um, it, uh, although it is true that Jack the Ripper would target the abdomen and throat in general. So, th- so there, was, there was evidence enough that they thought, okay, this is maybe again another sort of evolutionary step to the mo of a murderer mm-hmm. but nothing determined for sure and there's no like she didn't say well she was dead when she was she was dead as fuck <laughs> yeah that was a stupid question because i was like yeah yeah she's she was dead pretty dead yeah the I, I, to my knowledge the only white chapel victim who was actually like alive before was, dying to to before succumbing to her injuries was uh was emma smith so th- hey bro hey bro awesome bro take yeah man i hoped you noticed i got it from phoenix fit like the bird no it's spelled fnx fit fuel for greatness oh yeah man you are pretty great you know i've totally heard of them i get my protein powder from them Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. That brings us into the actual canonicals. Yeah. 
So the first one was Marianne Nichols, who is also known as Polly. Why? Yeah, I don't. That was her nickname, and I don't know if that was like the name she went by on the street when she was soliciting. I guess it's possible. Or if that was just like a silly little nick, like you know, I don't know. Because I was thinking that too, because I was like, Mary Ann Nichols, where the fuck did they get Polly? Like, seriously, where the hell did Polly come from in that? Because who's to say? It's not like her name was Pollyanna. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think I have no, I've, never mind. So it was August 31st, um, shortly after 3.30 a.m. was when she was discovered. And she was 43 years old. Um, so basically, the person who found her was Charles Cross. So he was on his way to work, which, first of all, my very first off-topic note that I wrote was, who the fuck is going to work at 3.30 in the morning? <laughs> like... Maybe, like, bakers or butchers back in the day. Like, but, like, still, like, 3.30? Like, uh-uh, I'm just going to sleep at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> well. If you're going to work at 3.30 in the morning, I don't know. You fucked up somewhere. I guess so. I mean, this guy's day was ruined, I guess, because the body was right? discovered. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess I fucked up somewhere, too, because sometimes I have to go to auditions at, like, 4 in the morning, so I have to be up at 3. But, like... I mean... So, it was... She was found on Buck's Row, so it quickly became known as, you know, this is so fucking genius. I don't know who thought of this. The body on Buck's Row. You know, can we talk about how literally every Jack the Ripper murder is just like, it's just, you know, every every aspect of the case is just named by the street it was on. It really is, and like, it's, yeah. So the body in Buck's Row is the first of the legit targets. Um, now... This is also a thing that somehow all of the women had in common. She had a failed marriage. Now, we'll get into that, because I see that face you're making. So hold that thought. Oh, you, want, you don't want me to hold a thought? Come on, just tell me. That would probably have to be coincidental, if only because there's probably no way that the killer would be able to identify failed marriages in all his targets. Unless he knew them. Unless he knew all of them, yeah. Or, or, or had some capacity as like a psychologist. If that, if that was one of, if one of the, if one of the suspects was a common psychiatrist in the, in the area, maybe. No. Sorry to that bubble. Um, Damn it. No marriage counselors up for suspects. Well, I'm sorry. The way you worded it, I just picture this man strolling down the street and being like, ah, oh, yes, failed marriage. And then continue. <laughs> I I just he doesn't he doesn't look for like their age he doesn't look at their occupation he just looks he just looks at their he le- just looks at their hands and sees if people are pulling off their wedding rings the ultimate sin <laughs> <laughs> oh man so she had a failed marriage due to alcoholism which honestly it happened lesson learned mm-hmm. well and also thinking of the time. I mean, fuck, if I had to work as a prostitute, I'd become an alcoholic, too. But, yeah, she also had five kids. That'll do. Um, now, it's unknown if those kids were related to that failed marriage or from selling herself. And it seems to be, it seems pretty common from the research I was doing that a lot of them did have kids outside of marriage. I mean, if you're 
to be really graphic, if you're fucking multiple men in one night in a time where protection wasn't really a thing, you're yeah. daddy. Yeah, exactly. She was actually pretty new to working on the streets. She'd only been doing it for a little over a year and a half. So, like, that sucks. New job, we're all excited. Maybe we just really like sex. Um, just when she was about to hit her stride in her career. Right, like, that was, she was about to peak. Yeah. I mean, I guess she technically did peak, because after that, she, her career ended. I'm not sure being murdered counts as peaking. I mean, before that, she had, in theory, gotten better at her job than she was when she started. So, you know, most, most you know, it, it would suck to be the kind of guy who peaks in high school. But, but, like, it's rare that you get to say someone peaked just in life in general, because after they died, everything went downhill. You're right, you're right. I'm going to take that, what you just said, and ruin it. I'm sorry. Okay. So she actually was losing sales because she had been evicted from her apartment because she spent her rent money on alcohol. And so she didn't have anywhere to bring the men. So they were just fucking on the streets. So no one really, yeah. So maybe not our peak. Tried our best. We tried, we tried, but probably not a peak right there. Um, Her last known location was the Frying Pan Pub. What a great name. I kind of want to eat there now. Right? It makes me think of the place in Tangled. Yeah. I've got a dream. Whatever that place was called. Whatever that place was called. Wasn't it like the Ugly Duckling or something stupid? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. It's like that. Um, The Frying Pan Pub. Um, Now, when she was found, this is where we get a little gruesome. Her skirt was raised over her stomach. Um, However, as far as like I mean, that's, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. To not undress someone but expose them in that manner is degrading and humiliating. Now, to undress someone in that manner, too, is also degrading and humiliating. But it's like he had to go the extra mile after she was already dead to still degrade her because there was no sign of sexual assault or sexual activities in general. She was not missing her uterus or anything. So, I mean, it just, like, it was, like, one last fuck you. Um, most of the blood was pulled um, around her head, and that would be from slitting the neck. Yeah, sorry, eating. Um, yeah, from slitting the neck. Now, this is what I referenced all earlier. Um, the throat had been slit twice from left to right. Um leaving four inch the first gash was four inches and the second one was eight inches the four inch one hit that vein in your neck that's like really artery whatever in your neck really important yep carotid artery there we go thank you i was like i don't know what it's called um so it was determined that she died pretty fucking fast because he hit that artery because i think once you hit that one you've got like two minutes and 30 seconds or something like that yeah and you'll you'll go uh yeah you'll Unconscious go just first too like like she was she was a goner as soon as he hit that however because we really we really go the extra mile here you know um they were so deep that she was practically decapitated um and not only that but uh, the bottom of each side of her jaw here I'm touching my face um forgetting that y'all can't see me 
because it's a podcast. Um, it's sort of where the jaw connects, right? Yeah, where the jaw connects, um, and it, the bruise looked like where a pinky and a index finger would have grabbed, or a pinky and yeah. middle finger. Is there another word for middle finger, or is it literally just like... I think it's literally just middle finger. How lame, because it's pinky index. I'm sure, I'm, sure there's a meta, I'm sure there's like a medical name to distinguish it. Maybe. Um, but yeah, like they were holding it to keep the skin tight or still to cut it. Interesting. So with that in mind, the detectives thought maybe he hit the kill and then went in again after she was already dead with that second cut because of how straight across it was, how deep it was, and where the bruising was. Interesting. They also determined that the killer was left-handed and that she had to have been attacked from the front. That actually seems like a pretty useful clue. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's more useful than both pieces of forensic evidence combined. Right. So alongside with the bruising and the, you know, near decapitation, she had a jagged wound across her abdomen, about seven inches across and about three inches deep. Homeboy went in. He really just went in her. Which is funny because she's a prostitute. <laughs> You're so done with me, aren't you? Mm. You know, the, he really got some good penetration as he slid the knife right through her. Really, um, really buttery, really well lubed. Mm-hmm. Just penetrated her stu- and slid right through her and it, you know. Oh, yeah, it was a real, real good um, penetration. Yeah, it was a joy fest. You could say it was so good it was deadly mm-hmm. um <laughs> it was life-changing oh the most life-changing penetration ever we are the worst <laughs> yep um i mean i mean what what was my joke about the cheese pot the other like oh, i don't even remember honestly i mean i'm all for life-changing penetration but maybe not this way okay too far okay. too far um <laughs> Uh, okay, so she was assumed to have been dead for half an hour before she was found, so that would mean she would have been killed around 3 a.m. Nice. And then um, she was missing her ring. See, what did I tell you? He spotted them solely by when they removed their wedding rings. No, she had her wedding ring. He stole it. Did he, though? I don't know, maybe he was like, oh, a single woman. I'm going to murder her. Can you imagine? Can you imagine he was trying to kill single women the whole time, but he kept accidentally killing women who just had failed marriages? Oh, you know it, you know it. Um, Poor guy. (laughs) Couldn't catch a break. He just wanted, nope, I can't, I can't. I'm going to make another sex joke. He just wanted to sacrifice a virgin. Oh my God. He really wanted that virgin penetration. And, um, well, you know, it's because the virgin penetrations are always the bloodiest. Yeah, you know, when that cherry pops, man. I, I pity Becca right now. This is going to be absolutely awful. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to have to just wade through this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Virgin sacrifices. You know, that's really what he wanted at the end of the day. He was a Satanist. He really needed to sacrifice a virgin so that um, we didn't talk. Never mind. I was thinking of another podcast and I was like, yeah, we totally covered this, but we didn't. 
there was a murder case where these teenage boys murdered a virgin because they thought they could sacrifice her to Satan and they would give and Satan would give them the power to have a really good rock band. No kidding? I'm dead serious. Did it work? <laughs> Considering they all got life in prison without parole and they were all put into different prisons, <laughs> don't think they got their killer banned. I mean, they were a band of killers. It's a killer band, literally. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you know, he just really wanted a good rock band, like an 1800s rock band. Some Mm. heavy metal using um, violins. I don't know what were instruments. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my gosh. In the 1800s. I don't think they were. I'm sure they had, like, fiddles of some sort. Fiddle. They had washboards. <laughs> they were um, really good at the spoons. Actually, that's probably true. No, I think they had, like, string instruments. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they had, like, trumpets. Yeah, they probably had wind and, uh... They probably had wind and string instruments. The French horn was invented in 1664. So, there were indeed instruments in the 1800s. <laughs> Wait, we were talking about any instruments in the 1800s? Yes. You th- how, how new do you think music is? Um, you know, it was only the 2000s, right? <laughs> 80s rock isn't actually 80s rock. It was made in 2001, and we claimed it 80s rock. Uh, 80s uh, rock was actually made in the 1880s? Okay. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Uh, Eight well, definitely had music. Yeah, because he was born in 1770. Um, Chopin was 1810. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, the weird thing, I, how did we even get to that? <laughs> I think we're still, in theory, on the first murder. We are. <laughs> the first we murder. We are. Um, so no screams were heard. They couldn't hear it over the music. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where the music even came from, but they couldn't. Um, so no one heard it, which- Wait, didn't, you said that they thought there was one cutting of the throat before the other, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's why there was no screaming. Because it happened so fast. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if his first blow was cutting the throat. Yeah. But then if he attacked from the front, and this gets, I had this addressed later, but it's fine. If he attacked from the front, she would see a man approaching with a fucking knife. I guess it depends on the context. Because, like, if... Granted, it's not like I actually know how red light districts go. But, like, if you imagine the standard movie scenario where the prostitute approaches you, they tend to get a little touchy-feely. It's possible she approached him. Mm -hmm. And then, while she was just trying to do her, you know, business shtick, you know, yeah, I mean, I he could have know. either stabbed or slashed her because she approached him. Right. Now, we don't know you're right. And also, um, the only thing I have to, like, contradict what you just said is that she was leaving a bar. Yeah. So I would say he was, she was either on her way home or he was with her already. She wasn't necessarily on the street soliciting. Yeah. Okay. And the red light district now is very different from the way it was then. Yeah, obviously. Now it's like little shops and you go in and there's police right there protecting that. Like, yeah, very different now. Legal uh, business. 
So no screams had been heard, but there was also no sign of struggle on her end. She must have had a lot to drink. Oh yeah, you know it. She was like, wow, my period's coming out of my throat. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she got literally blackout drunk or something. Maybe. Um, but they took, because, you know, we really have to degrade her. They took her clothing, the police did, before she was taken to the, like, funeral home. Yeah. So she was just kind of left there naked. Um, but For they made, What? For how long? About half an hour. Mm-hmm. 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 Well done, Britain. Um, but they were able to use the tags in the clothing that had been sewn in to figure out where she worked. Okay. And so through that, they were able to have an inmate worker identify her because they had worked together. And they were able to, through that, get in touch with her estranged husband to get like a final identification confirmation. And the quote from that I have from him was, and this is so, like, I hate this. It said, seeing you as you are now, I forgive you for what you did to me. And like, what a dick statement. Like, now that you're mutilated and dead, I forgive you. To be honest, that's kind of the same as saying you got what you deserved. Now now it's settled. You know, yeah. now the tab is settled. Right. But like. Like, that he wished. It, it almost sounds as if he wished this upon her. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was like, I hate this. Because like, one, it's kind of incriminating on his part. Yeah. What was his timetable for the rest of the murders? No, he was never a suspect, actually. I mean, I guess it would make sense because, like, it would it, it, this would be a crime of passion, right? Right. He um, wouldn't have motive to do the others. Exactly. So the next one, Annie Chapman, September 8, 1888. Now, different time because the other one was 3 a.m. She was discovered at 6 a.m. in the backyard of a place um, in on Hanbury Street. It was a three-story home that housed 17 people. Um, A man named John Davis found her. He was leaving the house. Um, Now, she had very similar injuries to Polly. Um, The throat slashing was a little different. It was um, cut from the neck to the spine. So he got the front. Kind of along the side. Yeah, he got the front and then the side of that one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wasn't almost decapitated, but there were still some like deep ass cuts. Yeah. So her internal organs had been cut away and removed. Okay. And this is where we get the idea of a knowledge of anatomy. I'm sorry, I couldn't remember the words and I didn't write it. Oh, okay. This is where the first like, oh, he knew his anatomy came through. Because her small intestines lay right by her right shoulder, not damaged. Took them out, but didn't damage them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Upon inspection, her uterus, vagina, and about half of her bladder had been removed. Only half the bladder? He only wanted half of it. He wanted the left half. Hmm. To hold in his left hand. In- okay, that makes sense, actually. Wait, really? I mean, I mean, in a sense, uh, like, if I was, if I was... I mean, if I was going to carve an organ in half and pull it out, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably, st- I'd probably be holding down the organ with my my dominant hand, my left hand in this case, cut with the right, and then what would I be tearing away? I'd probably be tearing away with my left hand. Yeah. So, 
So in, in an odd sense, I guess it sort of makes sense that if he had to cut it in half, he'd take the left half. So when do I bring in the fact that upon later investigation, they said that he also, it works just fine if you were right-handed and were attacking from behind. I mean, that is also true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she's dead. Bitch is dead. She's missing her vagina. So wait, does that mean that there was indication that he, that, does that mean that the previous uh, investigation's conclusion that she was attacked from the front was, was so it, it wasn't conclusive? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, it, it didn't help. Um, so also the mutilation with this one with the, um, so that way, the way they, the way he cut her up that time with the removal of the uterus was the first sign of like the, that was the first idea that like he was specifically targeting prostitutes as a way to like, um, as a way to like, stop them from prostituting um, like I don't have a better way to describe that other than like he was like no you're not allowed to do this especially with my typo of calling them prostitutes he really just wanted to stop those prostitutes <laughs> he was like man this shit's illegal just get rid of them. I'm so tired we are descending into madness yeah, this is probably the most off-topic episode so far. Hey, bro! Hey, bro! Awesome bro take! Yeah, man, I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man! You are pretty great! You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. So, back on topic. So, she had three kids, um, two of which died before the age of three. So, I guess she had one kid. Is that how that works? If two die and you're left with one, do you only have one kid or do you still have three because you technically birthed three? You had three, you have one. <laughs> okay, well, two of them died. One died from um, syphilis and the other died just because. <laughs> I couldn't find out why. Yeah. Honestly, um, that, that's kind of common for kids back in the day. I know. But... After the death of her youngest, um, she turned to drinking and then started prostituting to pay for her. I wonder if he was targeting these women at bars because this is the second link to alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does this continue throughout the murders? No. Yeah. I know. So this one, though, however, did have a witness. Um, a woman named Elizabeth Long claimed to have seen her um, outside of their residency 
with a man. Um, and she described him as a man of foreign appearance, um, looking Middle Eastern. Hmm. So here we go into our anti-Semitism. And if you look Jewish, you're fucked. Um, that's where we're heading. So to make things worse, a resident of number 27, so like two doors down, heard screaming and a woman yelling no and then a thump on the ground. He ignored it. <laughs> Must have been nothing. Me in the morning, me when kids try and wake me up before noon. I'm like, it's nothing. <laughs> Just Oh my God. Leave me alone. Stop screaming. Help, please. <laughs> Tuesdays. Going back to sleep. Typical Tuesday night. Um, the body was found 20 minutes after. Man, that's some 540 in the morning. How drunk were they? Dude. So with this one being the second murder and being much more, less than a week following the first, first of all. Yeah. Or a little over a week. Um, and being more brutal in terms of removing organs and stuff, public hysteria really hit. Yeah. And so into anti-Semitism. Did I say it? Yeah, anti-Semitic, anti. Yeah. Um, so people started targeting Israelites and if they caused any suspicion towards anything whatsoever, they were chased by lynch mobs. Helpful. Some of which were mobs of over 200 people. Nice. We love getting chased by literally entire towns worth of people. Just for being Jewish. Like, damn, we're really not allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that just, that sucks. Um, you were wondering how racism looked a hundred years ago. Right. So despite all of that happening and they felt like there wasn't really anything, they thought they had a breakthrough when a detective come back with the, the sex jokes detective detective sergeant thick um arrested john Pizer at his home um convinced that he was leather apron and that leather apron was also jack the ripper so after extensive questioning he actually had like a cast iron alibi so like, and witnesses to back it up. Like there was no way that he was there. So they had to release him. Um, but someone did come forward um, and talked about a man named Edward McKenna. Said he went around quite often with a knife and seemed to resemble a man that was kind of lurking around um, Annie Chapman at a pub about an hour before um, she was found dead. See, now that almost sounds genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, another man they questioned, and like these aren't, su- they ended up not being suspects. So that's why I'm talking about them now. How did that one guy not wind up being a suspect? I don't know. I mean, this case was butchered in so many ways. Edward McKenna, the guy who was stalking outside the place before she was killed, and resembled the guy who walked around with a knife. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a suspect. Yeah, yeah. So the other one with this one was Jacob Eisenschmidt. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Um, he was taken into custody 
um, after being reported as a suspicious looking man. Um, he was in the pub the morning after the mor- of, after the murder um, with blood stains on his shirt and neck and bruising. So, you know, yeah, a little sus. Um, however, he proved to be of unsound mind and therefore was not eligible to appear in an identity parade. Okay. Um, also, they, I mean, they still set him off to an asylum, but like they couldn't really do much about it. So now this also kind of became political. After this, they used it to draw attention to like the conditions and how like no one cares about East London. Um, And so they really started laying into the police um, for the like ruining the scenes and just really kind of fucking it up. Um, So Annie Chapman became unknowingly a figurehead representing the poor. So I have a quote of that from a newspaper. And it says, Dark Annie's spirit still walks Whitechapel unavenged by justice. And yet even this forlorn and despised citizen of London cannot be said to have suffered in vain. Dark Annie's dreadful end has compelled 100,000 Londoners to reflect what it must be like to have no home at all except the common kitchen of a low lodging house to sit there sick and weak and bruised and wretched for lack of four pence with which to pay for the right of a DOS to be turned out after midnight to earn the requisite pence. Anywhere and anyhow, and in course of earning it to come across your murderer and to caress your assassin. Interesting, right? To caress your assassin. It sounds like it sounds like he like they were sort of pushing the same narrative that I thought where maybe she approached him and that's why she wasn't resisting. Yeah. But she was resisting. She was the one heard screaming no and he Ah. Yeah. Regard regardless, it sounds like the the indication is that she approached him it began as something appearing consensual exactly yeah so now we enter the double event yeah yeah i think we do let me double check but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure there's nothing between it it's elizabeth stride let's see we got annie chapman yeah we just did annie that's it that's it there's nothing in between all right so we are entering the double event, September 30th, uh, 1888. We began with Elizabeth Stride. So this was like a huge one because, well, I mean, it was a double event, so that was huge in its own. But also like the public panic and hysteria were at its all-time high. And then to have two murders happen in one night just added more fuel to the fire. And so like people were scared to walk out alone after night. And um, this is how the term autumn of terror was finally coined. So a lot of people don't know that that's what it was called, I think. So she moved to London when she was 21 and married John Stride. The marriage ended up failing in 1881 and then John died. She then became a prostitute. So she had been working at a lodging house and then headed to Queen's Head Pub and spent some of the money she learned earned from work. Um, and then there were many accounts of seeing her over the next few hours in the company of different men every couple of hours. Mm. Mm-hmm. So 
<laughs> I lost my place. Hang on. Elizabeth Stride was found dead from a cut throat laying inside the gateway of uh, of the pub. Sorry, I can't. No. Sorry, the entrance to a gateway called Duffield's Yard. Um, so her throat was cut and that was the only visible injury. Um, and because of that, people thought that maybe she wasn't a Jack the Ripper victim and was just the unfortunate victim of like a gang. Yeah. However, because of the cut throat being one of Jack's trademarks, they believed that she, it ended up being concluded that she was a Ripper victim and that um, someone, one of the witnesses had interrupted him in his work and then escaped before they could stop him, which is why that was all the injuries consisted of. Um, Following that, the murder was reported um, and there was a lot of like information regarding her last sightings because so many people had. And because of that, they had to look into every single one of them, which fucked up investigation stuff that actually mattered. And they found out about 95% of those were fabricated. Yeah. My notes here, because I, as usual, put my thoughts in as I go, say, dude, what the fuck? Someone's dead and you're lying about seeing them? Why? So I ask that question. Why? Like, I don't know. If I saw a dead person, I'd be like, fuck, that's a dead person. I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I saw him two hours ago at a pub, too. Like, Why? I don't understand the point. Alrighty, guys. Um, so I'm reading off a list because I'm stupid. I can't remember this. But you can follow us at Twitter at Conspiracy Pods, Instagram at Conspiracy Crashers Podcast, Facebook at Conspiracy Crashers. And wow, I really can't read. <laughs> you can write in at conspiracycrasher at gmail.com. And um, don't forget to subscribe at conspiracycrasherspodcast.com. Bye.